are listening to WHOA Podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. My name is Colin Austin, and to my left is the rootness, tootness, shootness, hootness, scooter cowboy, Michael Dees. What is up, man? Did you write that one, too? I did not write that one. <laughs> that, was, that was Joanna giving it a Make, really good go. Makes me sound like an IHOP uh, breakfast entree. Dude. Uh. <laughs> Dude, it's great, man. Dude, I'm so pumped about this episode. You guys, today on the show, we have my good friend Heath Paget, host of RV Entrepreneur Podcast, a world traveler, really like a US traveler, <laughs> <laughs> world traveler, and co-founder of campgroundbooking.com. Dude, what is up? What's up, man? It's been uh, it's been like six years. <laughs> I know, man. All right, so let's just let's just dive into this. Um, you know, actually, real quick before we do, because all right, you guys, just to give you a little bit of background, Heath drives all over the place in an RV. He's got a really cool story. We're gonna dive into it. He's got his wonderful wife and daughter now. Like, you guys, you're taking the child on the road too, man. This is crazy. Like, I cannot even wait to get into all this. Um, so, but but before we do. Let's give some love to one of our sponsors. Mad, mad, mad love to Andy Malden of Watson Realty Corp in the Tioga office. You guys, I like set this up on purpose. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, if you are tired of traveling all over the United States in your RV, <coughs> Heath, <laughs> and you're looking to settle down and you know settle down a little, get into a home, give my friend Andy a call. You can reach him at 352-262-1047 or email him at Andy M, that's A-N-D-Y-M, at Watson Realty Corp. Dot com. You guys, Andy is an ACR. Do you know what an ACR is, Heath? Nope. No clue. <laughs> no clue. Something witty. An, <laughs> an ACR. He is an Alachua County resident. That's what we define the people who gotcha. are like Gainesville, like originals, like born and the raised. OGs. They've been here. The OGs. Andy <laughs> is an OG. And uh, you guys call or text him again. His number is 352-262-1047. And tell him that I sent you and that Mike sent you. But really, I sent you. <laughs> <laughs> was that good? Yeah, that was good. Yeah, dude. So, like, if you need to like settle down in Gainesville, maybe I got the I got a I got a great realtor for you, man. Well, if I if I do, I'll give him a Get call. Off the road. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Andy, thanks so much for supporting our podcast, man. You guys, please, please, please make sure that you are supporting our sponsors. These guys fund this thing and make this all possible, so that way we can continue to make this dream live on. Andy, I love you, brother. Thank you so so very much. And Heath Paget, dude, what is up? <laughs> Nothing much, man. I, uh, you know, I feel like I was just in here singing "Do You Want to Buy a Scooter" to the tune of <laughs> Frozen, and and then now, like six years later, have gone by, and so many things have happened. I, but honestly, since when we met, I've shared the story with so many people, like how we met, and like you know, the ultimate, you know, scooter buying experience and everything that I had from my one day here. But, you know, I feel like that was a, that was a really cool mini chapter of a chapter of our lives. And like, I'm excited that, you know, we got to meet. So let's explain how we, how we actually met. So, so you guys, so most people like we've done a couple of guests 
actually you're the second now mm-hmm. who isn't from Gainesville. It's very Gainesville focused, you know, really building up the community. Um, we have we have these missions that we're out to accomplish. I and, used to work uh, in the community for a, a place called New Scooters for Life. So. <laughs> That's right. I'm That's basically. right. So like let's 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 tell everybody about this little story because this is this was really really cool. So you and your incredible wife Alyssa were out to make a documentary and it was called Hourly America. Correct. And this is I'm going to explain it the way I remember going down (laughs) and then then like you can give us your version, right? But like I remember, um, I feel like we got a voicemail or something. I I, I feel like I remember, yeah, maybe there was a voicemail, but I feel like Andrea came into the office and was like, yo, we got this email. Probably some telemarketer solicitor. Yeah, it seemed like some sort of solicitation or something. It was like, hey, hey, like, you know, we're, we're filming this documentary and we've been traveling the country. We've been going to every state and filming like, uh, filming out one business, one hourly position at a company in, you know, in each state. And like, and like, Andrea's like explaining this to me and I'm like, oh yeah, that's like, that's a scam. Just like, <laughs> just like, just like throw that out. She's like, I don't know. And I'm like, and so, so like, I think she actually went and started to do a little bit of digging or something, yeah. like a little bit of research and like found out and she was like, no, I think this is actually legit. <laughs> and like responded back to you. Do you remember when you were, when you sent us that email or I was or at a campground call? like 20 minutes away and through, I, I can kind of share a little bit of the backstory in a minute, but most of the time I just sent out like an email, but every now and then I would just call. And at this point we had worked like 40 jobs across the country and we were at a campground 20 minutes from here. And it was like a Sunday of a holiday weekend, I think. Yeah. And I remember I went to the pool and I usually have to reach out to maybe like five, six places, you know, maybe to get responses. And then towards the end of the trip, I got better at like finding places that I feel like would probably hire me. And I read so much on y'all's website that when I called, I dropped a couple lines or something like that I meant I may have mentioned like if I'm late I'll bring donuts you know core value 3500 or whatever um, and so like and then I you know I read on your website I was like oh Colin he mentioned that he was like a backstreet like he, he looked like a backstreet boy in his photo there's just a couple things and like I, I remember after like 20 minutes of outreach and I had only reached out to you guys in Gainesville I went to the pool to like hang out the list and she's like what are you doing you're supposed to be working to find our job in Gainesville like we need to leave here in a few days and I said, no, this place is going to hire me. Like, I can just tell. Like, they seem like fun, like, cool people. I've got this, yeah. I got this wrapped I just, up. And then, and then I think, was it you who called me? I think it might have been. Yeah, or emailed me. Yeah, I don't okay. think it was Colin, but I think I think it may have been Michael. But anyway. You spent countless hours trying to find the perfect place in Florida to go. And no, like we were in. So honestly, and again, I know we're kind of like jumping into the deep end of the story, not giving much context. But basically, from at that point having found probably 40 jobs my whole process was like I'd roll into a new place I'd google search like uh, businesses in Gainesville Florida and then if there was like a theme for that area like I worked at a dairy farm in Wisconsin but in this area it was like a college town and there was a ton of like bike and scooter shops and things like that and naturally I would go to the ones that had the best reviews on Google and then I would that would be like step one and then I'd go a step past that and look at the website and be like, hey, do they seem like fun people that I want to spend a date working around and kind of highlighting? And I got on y'all's website. I was like, these people seem like a lot of fun. So like, it'd be a cool job today. Yeah, that, that was, was it. it. Yeah, destiny. <laughs> so and you guys came in, and now to bring some context to our audience, that was when like we were trying to figure this out. I think it was December. It was December. December. Because yeah. there's a team photo of us, and we all have like Christmas hats and right. everything. Yeah. 2014. 2014. Yeah. yeah. You sure? Yep. Was it that long ago? It was that long ago. I thought it was 15. It was 14? 
I got married in 2014, so if my timeline's wrong, it's bigger issues for me. Okay, <laughs> dang, dude, so. It's confidence two, right there. 2014, <clears throat> and we were at our old location. Mm-hmm. You came in, We, I mean, we put you through the ringer. You were a tech. You got on the forklift a little bit, I remember. I did. Where I was yeah. in some stuff. I think with Michael, yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah, and we even took a little sidecar ride in the Vespa sidecar, yeah, like think, down to Tijuana Flats. Yeah, we went to Tijuana Flats had, for lunch, yeah. Had lunch. I've never done that since, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been on a scooter since then. Really? Yeah, but I remember it being a blast. Dude, it was so much fun. Yeah, we and need then, to put a scooter on the back of our RV. I'm leaving here tonight with a scooter. Yes! Nice. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, who like who has an RV and doesn't have a scooter? We have Come so on, much man, under storage go. in our new RV. I, I don't even need to put like a mount on there. <laughs> just <laughs> push it right in. Listen, doesn't even have to know. We'll wake up tomorrow. Just like, <laughs> <the> scooter. Surprise! <laughs> Colin is a really good salesperson. Michael is a really good salesperson. They just got me, babe. What do you want yeah, me to say? Exactly. Get a little sidecar for Ellie, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> that would be adorable. Yeah, probably not legal, but. Probably <laughs> Probably not legal. So, and, and so I just remember like, I mean, we really spent that entire day. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I'm like, I'm like, Whoa, we're like best friends now. Like come, come, <laughs> you know, you can park your RV, RV outside of our house. And like, yeah. we stayed up late that night yeah, just we talking about yeah. business. And, uh, and I mean, we haven't seen each other since that night, but like we've stayed in, in connection through, uh, through social media and mm-hmm. so many other ways. And it's, I don't know, it's been, it's been cool to like watch y'all's journey. So like, like what's happened in all of those years? Yeah, so that whole year was our honeymoon and also it was meant to be like a seven month road trip to go do this documentary. And like we weren't planning to have an extended life on the road in an RV, but we learned a lot of skills that year, kind of like with you starting NSL4L and building skills in social media and doing all this stuff. And now you've got an agency. It was kind of like with us, we were like, well, nine months in from never having filmed anything, we started getting people paying us to shoot videos for them or whatever. And we're like, hey, we don't have to go, maybe we don't have to go back and get regular jobs. So that year after we did Hourly America was basically like trying to like build our business and like get things going. So we got, we did some really fun projects where I got to do a 30 city book tour with an author who had a book coming out and I did video stuff for him and then we started getting other clients who wanted to shoot like maybe a book launch video or a course or um, like a conference or something like that. And so that next couple of years was just like filming anything that we could get our hands on. And then as we, we were like, oh, we can still kind of continue traveling and working from wherever. And so I started sharing our journey on my podcast and on our blog and basically saying like, this is how we're making our lives work on the road or traveling in RV or whatever. And that podcast did really well. And now it's a conference. We've grown like 100% year over year. The first year was like 120 people. This last year was 350. So it's all people like who are working, running a business from the road. Um, now we're we work with Winnebago, so they they gave us the rig that How we're in this year. How did you find those people? Um, who? Like all the people who came to the conference for the first time. Oh, my podcast. Okay, so it was yeah. from that podcast. So, yeah. how long, so how long did it take you to like build that podcast to a point where you're like, hey, everybody come to this conference? Well, I mean, so we had this Facebook group that was growing too of, cause we were starting to like make friends with other people who are traveling in an RV and like running a business from their, from their rig or whatever. So a lot of times it was like husband, wife entrepreneurs, but maybe they actually like had a remote team or whatever. And so part of it, we started this Facebook group called, it was originally called Make Money in RV, which sounded scamming. We got a lot of like bad people trying to join the group. So we changed it to the RV entrepreneur and it was better. But it was kind of just meant to make make friends with other people who were trying to figure this out. And then from the podcast and that Facebook group, they both grew and we're like, hey, we now have this decent like online community of people who are trying to do the same thing. Like let's gather them in person. And the first year it was like, I started the 
the podcast in February of 2016. And we announced the conference that November. And we were like, if we get 30 people to come together in person, that'd be really cool. And we ended up having 120 people show up for that first one. And so we had like a full on conference with speakers, like and other things like that. And then it grew from there and it's done really well. Um, and so, yeah, I guess it was like basically a year from like podcast launch to conference kind of thing. Okay, so I need to stay, I, I need to take a couple steps back. Why? <laughs> why? Remind me why you even started the Hourly America documentary. Like, why, what, what sparked that? I was working a job in sales and software, and Alyssa was working for a nonprofit in New Orleans, and basically was just like, neither, neither of us were in love with what we were doing. And so it was kind of like one of those things that was like, we want to travel, we want to do creative work that we enjoy, but we're not sure what that specific path is. So we kind of came up with the idea to like do a gap year and go find a new place to live outside of Texas because it's really hot there. And along, we just came up with a format. It could have been a lot of different ideas, but sure. I, I was I met up with a friend one day. Um, he had done a series uh, called 100 Days of Rejection on YouTube, Josh Young, and he has like a TED Talk that's done really well and like a book called Rejection Proof, which is really good for salespeople. Yeah, and, I've talked about that book mm-hmm. several, yeah. several times. And so I met up with Josh for lunch when I was at my job because we like shared a mentor. And I was like, hey, I'm gonna go do this like, 50 state road trip with my wife. And I love that you had some type of like episode, uh, you know, like journey that helped you become kind of like a better version of yourself. Cause this whole thing was, he just wanted to get over the fear of rejection. Right. And, and I was like, I'm going to go to 50 States and I'm going to leave my job and all this stuff. And he's like, he just threw an idea out there. He's like, you should work a job in every state. He was like, you can just like apprentice people and learn from them. And you know, like, it sounds like fun. You can share your journey. I was like, that sounds fun. Like I'm going to do that. And so I honestly did so that it. Really, sparked it. That sparked it. And, um, and it was kind of like, well, worst case scenario, like I get to go to all 50 States with my wife. I get to, you know, talk with people in a lot of different jobs. You know, I was 23 at the time. So I was like, I get to learn and see a lot of different, you know, businesses. And that was totally the case. Um, you know, like I got to come here and work on scooters. I got to work for the National Park Service in Alaska. Got a lot of really cool things that I like never had. Did you drive the RV up to Alaska? No, we you... drove a RV up to Alaska. You did. We made the mistake of going with my parents and my grandparents who I love, but we all <laughs> went in one RV. And uh, that was a whole different thing. It was like at the end of our year of travels and they were also going to Alaska. See, that's what I would be vlogging, like yeah. that whole experience. <laughs> but it's like 24 hours of daylight and there's six of us in a 32 foot RV. And Alyssa and I, of course, like the youngest and the smallest, like we're sleeping on like the dinette oh, yeah. table that converts to a bed. We end up leaving early. <laughs> so it's just, uh, we want to really <laughs> redo it better. But yeah, we drove the RV to Alaska. The only place we didn't drive the RV was Hawaii. No. Mm, yeah. So, just because people ask, I feel like I need to throw that out what there. What kind of entrepreneur yeah. are you? You can't figure that one out. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> yeah. It was so, Franklin? Was that the. Yeah, that was yeah, the. Franklin, yeah. Franklin the RV. Yeah. All right, he, so, he looked kind of sketchy. So, yeah. I mean, so when you're like getting to the end of this thing, were you guys like exhausted and like tired of it? Because I think by like the 30th state, I would have been like, this is kind of cool, but like, I'm kind of done. <laughs> I think, so for me going into this was like, I was always an idea guy in college. So I was like, have these ideas and they were kind of like, can I say ass on here? Yeah. Sorry. You just did. <laughs> <laughs> they were kind of like half ass. Like I never actually followed through on a lot of these things. So Mike, one of my big goals and one of my, uh, the guy who officiated our wedding actually called me out on it right before our wedding. He was like, Heath, I love you, man, but you're getting married tomorrow. And he's like, I just want to see, like, I think this hourly America thing's cool, but I just want to see you finish something. And I was like, oh, dude, ouch. But also, (laughs) I appreciate the tough love. So for me, a big goal of this wasn't necessarily like, I want to be a famous documentary filmmaker or I want to like do anything. 
I just want to finish something that I started. And so for me, the primary goal going into this was actually just to finish. And so I didn't, there was a burnout point. At one point we drove 14 straight hours from, I think we were in one of the Midwest states that was decently far away. I always forget which one, but it was like Omaha, no, Nebraska, that's the state. So we were in like Nebraska and we had worked two kind of like crappy jobs back to back. We had been dealing with a leak in our roof. We were kind of like lowing, running low on money. And Alyssa just came to the back of the rig after a job one day and she was like, I just lost our last two days, our last two days of footage on this hard drive. And I just like pulled up Google Maps on my phone. It's like, we can be home in 14 hours. And we just drove straight home and just like took a week off and like did some repairs, spent time with family. But uh, I mean, we ended up like, going along the trip, but there were definitely those moments where you're like, I'm living this like kind of crazy story, which yeah. kind of makes for a good story and like, like retrospectively looking at it. But sure. in the moment I was like, like this yeah, is yeah. hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we were, what number were we? You were kind of like after the hump, like we knew we were going to finish at that point. You were in like, like 43 say, years or something 40s, like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was getting pretty late. I noticed we were like a half second in the documentary. It was like, <laughs> done. <laughs> it's hard. We, to, we it, rode a scooter. It's over. Pork <laughs> 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 out, out. <laughs> But but in in fairness, you were like we, we I gave like ten talks. Is, I've been waiting for this moment. I've, for get, all I've given like I did like ten talks after the event. Like we had like companies reach out and like ask us to come share our story, which I thought was interesting because it was not like an expected thing. Like we spoke to a lot of like Chick Flow franchisees and um, at UPS and like and like other companies who have lots of hourly employees and. Um, a new scooters for less was like kind of the the climax of the talk as we like plot sorry as we like plotted our way around the country and like getting here was like we I would like talk at the end of this like you know Colin creates the ultimate customer experience but like what would it look like to create the ultimate hiring experience because it was all these companies who hire lots of people because like my hiring experience coming in new scooters for less that day was like I reached out on like a Sunday I came in on like a Monday mm-hmm. yeah. and I came in and it was like orange juice and donuts and like you had got my name embroidered on the shirt which I still have. And um, I was like, that was really cool. And it kind of like blew you away. And I was like, in the day of social media, you, you know, like everyone's, you know, like on their phones and it's, you know, basically create experiences for people because they'll value them and they'll remember them and they'll be meaningful. And that was kind of like one of the key takeaways. So you got like a lot of good face time in the talk. It's kind of like what I was getting at there. That's, that's good. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, it was it was definitely a cool experience, even for us, right? You know, like I I remember it, and I mean, it's funny that you even bring up that song because, like, I was like thinking about today. I'm like, I was, I was trying to remember the words to the song. Oh, I could sing the whole thing. <laughs> no, you we, can't. No, Heath and I were just talking about how like addictive it still is. Like Casey had yeah. a talent for writing these songs. Um, it was so. And good. so what we're talking about is like Heath. We made Heath record the voicemail. So one of the things that we like, we need to, we actually need to bring this back. It's we on really Facebook. need to bring this back. No, can, but I mean, like, we've kind of defaulted. Like not not that we're not that the UCE is like die or anything. Like we still like really focus on creating that customer experience. Mm-hmm. But you know, like with the voicemail, we've become a little like not as cool. I mean, we still have the right. retro right, like have Nintendo the a- music a- Nintendo when we put you on music. hold. Yeah, but like, honest. but like when when somebody got the voicemail, it would have it would have a little jingle. And it's the kind of thing that pisses off the parents, but the kids really love. Yeah, (laughs) so Casey Henshaw would make up these little, these little jingles. She was one of our team members, and so we made Heath record it, right? Yeah, and and she just had the camera. You're telling us that you know the jingle. Yeah, I think Allison could sing it. So here it is. Here it is, ladies and gentlemen, Michael D's. And I don't have Casey's voice, but so this is to the tune of uh, of uh, 
how to build a snowman. Yeah, do you do you want to do you want to build a snowman? So, oh, okay. do, do you, you want to buy a scooter? Come on, better do it better. And ride all over town. You won't need buses anymore. Come to our store and we'll show you around. And you could buy a Vespa. Or maybe, oh no, so you can buy a, a, a buddy. buddy. Or maybe not. Vespas are really great too. Do you want to buy a scooter? I think you want to buy a scooter. And then he says, leave a message. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> is got that it. you? <laughs> this is it. Do you want to buy a scooter? And ride around all over town. You won't need buses anymore. Come to our store and we'll show you around. Get a buddy, or maybe not. Vespas are really great too. Do you want to buy a scooter? I think you want to buy a scooter. Leave a message. Leave a message. <laughs> me. Leave a message. I forgot that I was in. Okay. I just literally bye. searched on Facebook. So do you want to buy a scooter? Awesome. Thanks, thanks for making me sing it. And she's, going, she's going to kill us for that. <laughs> That's great. I mean, we need to bring that back. We need to do that way more often because that was that was so much fun. But that's what we were talking Should about. Hire Just Casey's an independent. Yeah, she, she's available for hire. Uh, so, all right. So, you you guys finished the documentary, mm-hmm. and you like what? So, what happened that like after that? What's the what was the next thing? Like, what led to all this other stuff? So, we premiered the documentary at a conference called World Domination Summit by Chris Gelbo. Uh, he hosts it. It's basically kind of like a conference for creative entrepreneurs. So, we did it there and we did a couple screenings. But um, after that, was like our main focus was basically doing this freelance videography business. And we were kind of like video for hire. And we were doing that for a couple of years, kind of like our main focus. And then the podcast started and that was going really well. And we started building relations more. We started doing more and more work in the RVing and camping space because we were still enjoying traveling by RV and we kind of had this interesting story and we realized, hey, this is like a fun industry to be in. So like, let's try to do more things in this space. And so our blog started doing really well and the podcast started picking up traction in the Facebook group and things like that. And so- Were you creating a blog and creating a podcast like, because you were enjoying the RV experience or you're like, let's figure out a way to monetize and actually create a living here. So we've been blogging since 2011. Like we always, like one of the big things that we wanted to do before we ever started getting on the road was like use this as a time to like kind of hone those skills in writing and things like that. And so video kind of came later, but we both outside of like the Hourly America blog thing had like our own personal like Heath Paget and AlyssaPaget.com that we were kind of like documenting our journey and trying to figure out like what our thing was going to be. And so when I started realizing that I was kind of geeking out about RVing and it was fun and I enjoyed talking about it and like sharing stories, then I was like, I think I'm going to make my blog about RVing. And Alyssa was like, that's fine. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so I think I'm going to do that. Um, and there wasn't like a lot, now there's a whole lot of people that create content who live in vans and RVs, but there was like a couple then. There wasn't very many people doing it. So it was pretty early and we had like this different take on how we were doing things. And so it became pretty easy to like reach out and like start collaborating with companies and stuff. And that became like a its own thing. And then um, in 2016, after I started the podcast, I also co-founded Campground Booking. So that was like the next big project that came after the documentary. And so that's now grown. We have like a team of five now. And so we like power a good bit. Like last year we did um, one, like 1.6 million in bookings through the platform. And basically it's a, a lot of campgrounds have um, 
like mom and pop shops, they use like pen and paper. Like whenever we were traveling around, they, you know, like they, you have to call in to make a reservation. So basically we're like, why do we have to do this? And so there's like 13,000 private campgrounds in North America. So we're like, let's just create a, like a booking site so that, you know, it's been a lot more than that. So they have like, we have a property management system. It powers their whole, like all their employees use it. Like they all get their logins, they check people in. It's like a whole thing. And then like, but basically people, they, you can easily book at all these parks now that are using our software. So that's been like a big focus from 2016 on that we've been doing. Um, but it was, it, now it's like a lot of, all of our work is really in the same vertical space, you know, like you're in scooters industry kind of thing and yeah. now business media. So, but a lot of our stuff is in like the RVing and camping space. Which is really great because, like, I mean, finding more opportunities. You know, it's funny because my my buddy Alex Willis says this. He's like finding opportunities in your current opportunities. Yeah, you well, know, and like I like that. Yeah, it's like I mean, that's exactly what you've done. You're like in this space, and you're like able to like recognize new opportunities. And go, I mean, I'm super interested with the campground bookie. I mean, like you did you create it like you have, have that a, skill set like what well, well, I mean when you're like come up with that idea yeah well, what were your steps and like all right now like let's make this booking site yeah, um <laughs> let's build a team around this so I, the I team had, in the RV with you yeah. what's all going on <laughs> both the guy, yeah both this the guys. like a remote office and a remote home are you playing the system what's happening yeah so I um, met another guy who wanted to like work on this but he didn't have the technical chops he was a design like a product designer and so I started it with him and then we realized like hey we kind of have a couple different options for how we we're gonna fund it like there was one company in the RV space that was like, hey, we'll give you like lots of resources and like, but we'll give you only 10% and but we'll fund it. And we're like, we almost went down that path and we ended up not doing that. And then I posted in our Facebook group, it's like, hey, does anybody have really great, you know, any great developers out here? Cause I hadn't really tried to find somebody who I could build this with. Cause the other path was like raise seed round of like 50,000 and just like try to do a gun for hire developer. And I met with some investors and decided, like ended up not going that path because they want to see something further on. And I ended up finding a guy from our Facebook group after like a couple calls and he was like, I can build this. And like, we're getting out on the road in RV. So I'm like interested in doing stuff in the space. And he was previously at MapQuest and had like done some big integrations with like Priceline and stuff. And so we just started working on it. It was kind of like a risk, um, but there ended up being three of us that started it. We ended up buying out our other co-founder earlier this year, the designer. And so now it's like me, the business marketing side, I own half the company and then my co-founder Paul's our CTO and he's like built the whole app. So now we've got like a trip planner that's live on like some big travel website. So it like plans people's routes and stuff. And then we've got like a white label product that's like campground listings that power like campground association, campgrounds websites. And then we've got like the booking engine type thing that um, essentially like powers campgrounds and makes it easy for people to reserve. So that's cool, man. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, yeah. And then this year we're going to buy a campground. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> just keep adding on, I man. That's what it. I yeah. do. That's what, you see this? We got a lot in common. Like, we'll just, let's just start businesses. Let's just let's buy he's, more stuff. He's playing, <laughs> he's playing Monopoly. <laughs> yeah, playing Monopoly. I crush a Monopoly. Yeah. I'm yeah. So do I. I used to whoop my grandma. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so why a camp, campground? What is it? Why own a campground? Uh, so something when we host there, like we really, we love hospitality. And I think the idea of doing something in person is really, that was actually one of my big takeaways from Hourly America. Wasn't necessarily like, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It was that I really value like in-person experiences. Like I, I love the idea of building a big company, but also like being around people really gives me a lot of energy, even though we do all of our work remotely. And I'm like, when we host our conference, we have all these people here, we're creating this experience for people and I love it. And it's like our favorite week of the year. 
and basically realizing like there's a lot of opportunity in the campground space because it's very tired. You know, like a lot of parks are super outdated and like they have old systems and old infrastructure. And so we we realized from our event, like we we have like a pop-up co-working space during our conference. We had like bringing good internet. And so essentially like with a campground, we want to go buy one that we feel like hasn't been really optimized and like turn a cool co-working space on site, have like a coffee shop, basically make it like a really modern hospitality experience. But for people who are in RVs or maybe you want to stay in like a cool glamping site or something like that, like an air- renovated Airstream. And so like that's kind of the whole vision behind it uh, is to make it like a really cool hospitality experience for people. Um, and we don't really feel like that there's enough of that out there in the camping space. It's cool, man. Yeah. Dang. So do you have to onboard these uh, campgrounds or, or do they do, do their own internals and you're just getting the reservations for them? Um, so we do like a fully concierge onboarding process for the parks. So basically we, um, Scarlett and our team is our head of customer support. So basically like there's a, that's, that's another thing is like, it's really a challenge to like switch systems. So we have to like walk them through each part of this process to like get all of their campsites, like hundred, like some parks have like several hundred sites. So we have to know like what are the dimensions of the site because the RV needs to fit there. And like, it's a whole process to get them onboarded. Yeah. Okay. So this is like primarily like national park service. We have one campground actually that we just recently signed up as a part of that is a vendor to the National Park Service, but these are all private campgrounds that we currently have to get into the contracts with like the big national parks. You kind of have to like be a player in the space for a while and show like a proven track record to go after government contracts. So that would be like the end goal is to get into that. It'd be amazing to get in the government contract space, but right now it's all private campgrounds. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So now... You uh, have a kid. You guys, you and Alyssa were like, yeah. uh, like let's let's fill the RV with babies. <laughs> well, we actually got out of the RV for ERV. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it took a little break. Yeah. Got out of the RV. Well, we gave ourselves like five years from when we got married. We we're like, I think we we'll give ourselves five years to like have adventures and do whatever, and then we'll think about kids. And we ended up having her like right before the five year anniversary mark, like two days. Yeah. And basically, we took a year off of like travel. And well, I say we took a year off of travel. We took a year off of like full time. We still like did some other stuff, but. Yeah, so this year was mostly focused on like the software company and like bringing a baby into the world, bringing on fam- being around family and stuff like that. Yeah. It's really cool, man. Yeah. Do you see like, do you see like having a, you know, kids like homeschool life, like traveling the US? Have you guys like talked about that at all? Or you think you're gonna like go back to Texas, settle down for a little while? Like, we're kind of putting that on future Heath and Alyssa to like make that decision. But Alyssa doesn't, she, at this point, she doesn't want to homeschool um, because we're like, we both love our work and we, <laughs> it's maybe sounds selfish, but it's like we want to have like careers and do what we enjoy. So that could totally change. But I think the ideal scenario is like, if we really love the brand and the experience that we can create at one campground, the big dream is to like have a brand of campgrounds like across the country potentially. And so maybe like we could kind of see us bouncing around different places or having a base somewhere. Like, I don't know. There's a lot that can change in four years. At one point, yeah. we did a year of 50 states of travel. I'm not even going to try to plan like what four <laughs> years looks like from now. We're open to lots of different options. You know, like if we need a teacher how to color and stuff, not go to kindergarten. <laughs> like I don't think that's a big deal. Like we'll figure it out. It's cool. Yeah. What's uh What's the hardest part of RV life now that you've done this so long? Um, the hardest part was not having a dedicated desk. 
in the RV. For me, like that's may seem trite for a lot of people, but I, I struggled with not having like a good desk space. And so the RV that we're actually in, Winnebago, um, the RV company has like been a main sponsor of our event for four years now. And two years ago, we created a Winnebago lab on site at the event. We brought their product managers on site and we we're like, hey, we probably have the biggest gathering of people who are like working on the road in an RV or running a business. Like let's interview them and see what, like, what they want. And everyone's like, well, we want more desk space. So Winnebago, like for the first time, took out a bunk and like made a six foot long dual workspace in an RV. And they were like, we want you guys to use it for a year. So we're like, okay. Uh, because it kind of like <laughs> part awesome. of it came from like some of the feedback from our conference. So as we were doing like a campground startup tour this year, as we like go look at properties that we want to buy and we're traveling around in this 40 foot RV that, you know, has like this really cool workspace in it now. So that was a big pain point and now it's not. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, dude, that's crazy. How do you split the driving? Do you are you like full time driver? Do you split it equal? Or um, so we did our, uh, New Zealand, Italy, and Canada the past couple of years. We did most like a lot more international trips and like smaller motorhomes, which Alyssa would actually drive. Now that we're in a forty foot, I'm the full time driver. Okay, so, yeah, but we're gonna go much slower this year. Like we're spending a month in like Florida. Uh, this next month. So we'll be here and then we're going to be in a month. We're, we're hosting our conference in Northern Alabama. So we'll be there for a month. So we aren't going to like be moving super, super fast. But I would say that was like the other pain point that a lot of people have is that like you have this desire to like travel, but it also like conflicts with this whole notion of like wanting to build a business. Mm. And so it's like finding that balance between like, I'm an entrepreneur, I want to build something, but also like, I really love I love hiking. I love spending time outside with my wife and now our daughter. And so it's like figuring out like what's right for us um, and where's that right tension point. And so it's a good problem to have, but I would say that that's like one thing that we've like kind of went back and forth on is like, I love freedom, but I also love the idea of like creating value in my career. So it's like, yeah, but I think that's a healthy tension. Yeah. Do you have to deal with a lot of breakdowns? Uh, but for the RV, I mean, I don't know about you and Alyssa. Yeah. With Franklin, <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> uh, it was a 20-year-old RV. This is a 2020. Um, so no. Okay, but like tire, tire blowouts like or anything? This is like a nice one. Yeah, this is like okay, luxe. Like we, were doing we were doing an Instagram Live this past week, and um, we were at the RV show in Tampa, and we were like showing it around. And after we showed our second, it's got two bathrooms, like full baths with two showers. And I was like, after we showed that in the sleep number bed, I was like, I feel like I just need to stop here in this video and just say that in our first RV, we had to take our popcorn bucket, put it on the floor to catch the water that was dripping endlessly from our roof because we have not always lived in a place this nice. So anyway. Let me tell you my first RV experience. Yeah. We, uh, we were probably in 20-year-old Franklin as well. And we went up to Nashville for the Vanderbilt game as a team. We were like, you know, so this, this, will be, this will be fun. This had to be November of 15 then. Because it had to be was after. It after. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. It was a bad idea. <laughs> was, it, was it 15, Allie? Or was it 14? <laughs> so, 14? So, it, so it had so to be a month before. before. It had to be like right before. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, we we go up to Nashville. As a, mm -hmm. as a team, we're like, yo, what would be better than putting the entire team into an RV together to drive up to Tennessee to watch the Vanderbilt game? I yeah. Mean, that'd be great. I think we had a break, the one time we had a breakdown coming back, didn't we? Yeah, we had, we had a flat, flat tire, tire or something? Right, yeah. Flat tire. Um, I mean, we were cramped. Yeah. It was, it was interesting. I remember freezing to death. That's all I remember was freezing to death. Like, <laughs> it, didn't I was have, a, it didn't have a heater? 
Uh, if it did, we didn't right. run it that night. Yeah, we didn't know how to use the heater in our in Franklin for like three months, and then we found out there's just like you flip a thing on the furnace. We're like, oh, <laughs> that's how you use the heater. <laughs> I think one of the hardest things too is the the driver doesn't really feel all the vibrations going on in the back of the RV. It feels like you're you know just driving a normal car, but everybody in the back feels every move that you make. Yeah, and there are a lot of people that didn't like specific people driving. I found out me, me driving <laughs> maybe. <laughs> that's because. I was driving the night shift. It was like three o'clock in the morning, and oh, I'm like yeah. driving. And um, Haley Blanco Haley, was your co-pilot. Haley was the co-pilot. We had a we had a rule that a co-pilot had to stay up and like help keep the driver awake by talking to him. So yeah. I'm like I'm like driving. Haley's talking to me. We probably had deeper conversations than we should have as, <laughs> as like employer, employer employee, employee like talking about life. I'm like oh, like you know, oh man. But it was it was a yeah. good time. I remember Very I was I was specifically asked if I would drive more. Yeah. Well, I would have let you at any moment. <laughs> yeah. uh, I remember freezing to death trying to sleep in the Walmart parking lot, yeah. and I don't even know if you're allowed to do that. <laughs> you can stay in Walmart's. We ne- we rarely, if ever, uh, do. But yeah. Well, we did. Yeah. <laughs> we wanted to make sure that we got the full yeah. roughing it RV experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. I hate staying in Walmart's. It's not. It's not fun. <laughs> It's bright. The parking. Well, now you don't have to because you can go to campgroundbooking.com. You guys can reserve your spot. Go to campgroundbooking.com. So, did you also use this as an opportunity to pay off debt? Yeah, I remember this. So, our first year that we were traveling for hourly America was basically like we had we had some savings and was like okay well we're gonna use this but we like to not use all of it and so part of it was like trying to figure out how we could subsidize. Um, and not run out of money. So we pitched, I sent a cold email to a job board before we started Snag a Job or whatever, and they ended up like giving us like a thousand bucks a month to like do some videos, and they sent us video equipment. We're like, hey, do you wanna like shoot and like, you know, document the trip? And then along the way, we started picking up some freelance blogs and things. So we kind of subsidized that first year, but we paid nothing into the debt. It was just like kind of try to get to almost break even, which we didn't. And then, the second year, we're like, okay, we're gonna be stationary, build this up, and kind of be like responsible adults. And so, the second year, we paid off fourteen grand of debt, and then we bought a new RV. Didn't pay off as much that next year. It took like a couple of years, but I paid off over thirty thousand of debt those first like few years that we were still traveling. So it was kind of one of those things too, because if if there was an art, there was a couple articles that went out that shared our story that first year on like big networks or whatever. And so I think if somebody were looking at, you know, hey, we um, there's these two twenty somethings go traveling around the country. I've always felt good about sharing like, hey, we're still being like responsible adults, but we're just happen to be you know, doing our work thing as we, as we travel around the country, paid off debt, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Were you guys on uh, Ramsey's show? No. 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 For some we, reason I thought. We didn't apply for that. Okay. Maybe for some reason I been. thought you had, had or something, but. Uh-uh. Uh, so what's the biggest, what's the biggest opportunity that has come from all of this? Where you were like, oh, where you gosh. were like, whoa, I can't believe that happened. This is crazy. Um, Did you have any of those moments? I, I will say, I, I think I've had a couple of those moments. Like, so one that was really fun is that being on the road has created all these amazing serendipitous relationships. I would say this is one. It's fun. Like we, we're not from Gainesville we, and like, but we have friends here now. It's like, but uh, this past weekend, we just flew back from Nashville. One of, one of the low points in our trip uh, during Hourly America was our fridge went out because we parked on a hill and apparently you're not supposed to park a propane fridge on like an uneven surface and the coils on the back of our fridge like blew up. And so it was like $2,000 to replace. So for like a month we ended up stuffing like ice into our freezer because we didn't have enough money to replace the fridge. But anyway, like right after that happened, we were five hours from Nashville. 
we were currently in St. Louis, and Chris Gilbo, who we had met at the conference in Portland, had a book coming out in Nashville, and we're like, hey, you know, maybe we can just go see some familiar faces at this book signing and just like kind of have a silver lining to this day. And we went back and forth on whether we should do it because it was like out of the way. And we ended up going, and we met three of three people who become some of our best friends. And one of the couples specifically are now uh, our, our daughter's godparents from that one kind of like serendipitous event. And they were Dang. planning to go do their year of like travel. And they ended up hitting the road and um, like documented their journey on YouTube to go to, a, and they were just gonna do like a year of travel kind of like us. And then it expanded to four, two years, three years, now four years. And they went to a hundred countries and then you know, their hundredth country, they built a big YouTube following. They hit a million subscribers. And we hosted their event two days ago. I got to be the MC, and Alyssa and I kind of helped do some of the planning. And then, um, like, it was uh, 800 people came to this event in Nashville to watch their documentary premiere. And like five or six years ago, we got to meet them and share like, hey, we're doing this documentary. And Hourly America was in their their film to just like kind of reference like how we played a small role. So. I don't know if that was like, that was the first thing that came to mind because it was two days ago and that was like a really cool experience that we got to be a part of that yeah. was like, hey, you know, if we, I think in general, like if we hadn't said yes to going to do this trip, like our lives would have taken a totally different path. So when I think about all you the like people- pinpoint it to that moment. Yeah, I can't like pin, I can't, I can pinpoint it to that moment, but all the things that have spider webbed out from that have right. been just like kind of surreal um, because there's like the big life decision of like, hey, I'm gonna choose to like leave my job and go on this 50 state road trip. But then there's also like the smaller ones like, hey, I'm gonna go to this book signing and be around lots of really cool people and end up meeting people who become like really, really, really good friends. That's so cool. And so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of those. The ripple effects, man. Yeah, for sure. That's oh. wild. <laughs> yeah, it's so yeah. cool. Um, now, like, so with your conference, I mean, you've done, and you've done other speaking mm-hmm. stuff, right? Like, yeah. I, I see photos of you all the time on stage. Yeah, they're just and, stock. I just go to empty yeah, stadiums. Like, <laughs> like, on stage in front of a bunch of people. I don't even know why I do that, like, yeah. Actually, I see pictures of you in front of a bunch of people. Yeah. And, I mean, did you... So, you know, a lot of people just have a fear of public speaking. Mm-hmm. I mean, was that was that like a thing for you? I enjoyed did, it. Yeah, like, I kind of, like I'm just selfish it. and feed off the attention, just of ego. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, so I, I did the MC this weekend for my friends and there was 800 people there. I've never spoken in front of that many people, but I wasn't super nervous. And I think what helped is right after Hourly America, I did a, I didn't, I didn't do much public speaking in college, maybe a little bit, but after Hourly America, um, we had a story go out on CBS and somebody invited us to speak at this HR conference and share. And that's where I talked about New Scooters LS and shared that. And that was kind of fun to like go in these business settings as like a 24 year old and teach people who had been like way long. I was like, I feel like I have nothing to share here, but I'm glad that you're listening. And people really got value from hearing like the job seeker perspective, I guess, because that was what they wanted to hear. And not like, I wasn't coming in to tell them how to do their job better, but I learned a lot during that process. And then I went on this 30 city book tour with Ja who wrote Rejection Proof. And so we were together for months and months and he's a really, really good professional speaker. And so I feel like I learned a lot from him because I was like lining up all of his talks. Like I was helping him negotiate his speaking. And I just learned a lot about like rejection and all these other things and like how to hone a talk. Like I sat and listened to his talk every day. Like before like he would go out, he would like rehearse with me in hotels or whatever. He's not afraid of no anymore. He's not, no. (laughs) He's just gonna ask. So I think one thing that's been super helpful for me from a public speaking perspective, um, so like is everyone has like their tricks that help like you know, there's the cliche of like imagining people in their underwear. But for me, it's like, if I start getting really, really nervous or in my head before I go up or when I'm talking, I just think about like, oh, you're being selfish because it's not, you're not here to, 
you're not here for you, you're here for them. And like that event this weekend, I was there for my friends, Karen and Nate, and I was also there for like the 800 people that came from all over the world to like see their thing. And so like, for me, that's like the one thing that clicks in my head and it doesn't, I don't mean for it to like sound altruistic or anything like that, but it's just like, it literally just helps me not be nervous because it's like, it's not about me. It's about like having a good experience with this person who's listening to me. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, for no, me, that's the thing that clicks. That's good. It's, it's weird because I've started speaking a lot more and I love it. But I always get like, ner- and I don't even know if it's nerves or if it's excitement or whatever. But it's just that feeling, like butterflies, like right, yeah. bu- right those before, are good. Right before yeah. I do it, right, yeah. you know, right before. But and then, w- and I still get those. Yeah, and when I get on stage, and then when I get on stage, and I and I start, you know, talking or answering questions or whatever, it's like I'm fine. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in a zone, and and I love it. It's like a complete adrenaline rush. <laughs> um, so like, so I can kind of, you know, I can kind of see, you know what like what you mean and yeah but i'm always i'm just always interested in people's you know perspective on it especially if you haven't been doing it very long because i mean i haven't been doing it too too long you yeah know? in fact most of the time it, it's funny i always tell them i'm like yeah my best paying speaking gig is the ones that i do for free at the university of florida <laughs> because i get in front of all these students and i talk about new scooters for less and you know and there you go. they're like uh, they come and buy scooters later which is yeah. great so I, I think the other thing, not to like go too deep in the rabbit hole on speaking, but the other thing I learned from Ja that I think helped because a lot of people are so scared of public speaking was to treat your talk like a product. Like your version one of a t- any type of new product is gonna not be the best. So like if you go into it expecting like it to be very, very raw and know that it needs to be molded over like 15 or 20 different talks, then it feels less like it's about you being bad and more just about like, oh, that joke didn't land here. I need to like come up with a better timing or something. You know what I mean? Like, I think that was, that was helpful for me too. Okay. So do you, do you like really prepare or do Um, you like step on stage and we MC our own conference? Like I don't do a talk. I just MC for those. I have like outline notes. Um, when I did my talk at these companies, I had like actually hired someone who's a professional sketch noter and like they did like the, a map drawings across. Yeah. So that one's like rehearsed to like, I knew what I was going to say. I scripted the entire talk. But for like an emceeing type thing, like this weekend, I knew like the story I wanted to tell to introduce my friends, but that was it. Okay. Yeah. So you can diffuse a lot of the pressure on stepping up to a stage of 800 people and you, you diffuse it by making it about them, right? How that's you, what helps me. So yeah. You, <laughs> and again, I'm not trying to, it sounds like very like, oh, he's such a good, pr-. that's not what like, it's just, it, it helps me. Yeah. So you've got, you've got a YouTube channel and you build a little bit of celebrity on it over the holidays. Hey, will you follow me on YouTube? Sure. Uh, where, where, uh, sorry. <laughs> cut me off like, like that. Cut, it, cut him off and like go to YouTube right now. Hold on. So, Unreal. Do, I, do I follow you on YouTube? What's your YouTube? Uh, it's just Heath and Alyssa. I feel like I should. Okay, sorry. Colin Austin Wicking Bed. What? I don't know. That's just what YouTube pre populated to. I don't know. Uh oh. <laughs> I don't know what that. Just, Wait, just, what's the name of your YouTube? Uh, it's just my name, Colin sorry, Austin. Two L's. Uh, anyway, we'll, right, we'll sorry, come back to sorry, this. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're good. Matthew's <laughs> <laughs> got a mouthful. It's like when the waiter walks up. How's your food? Yeah. So over the sorry, holidays, yo. I saw a little back and forth with Alyssa and somebody <laughs> yeah. that was uh, maybe not so satisfied with the lack of content you've been putting out <laughs> since you had a kid. So <laughs> yeah, somebody trolled Alyssa on Christmas Eve at like 8 p.m. You're like. You know, I love following YouTubers who are professional and put out content every week. Tagged our friends who I mentioned, Karen Nate, and they were just like, unlike Alyssa and Heath or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. I saw that. Did you see my response? 
I probably looked at it in the moment. I don't Hold remember it off right the there. top of my head. Oh, you got my, you got yeah, my response? Yeah, right there. I pulled it up. <laughs> okay, this is my response. I said, ha, 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 is this for real? Looks like that travel advisor needs to focus on making some real content for their 38 followers. <laughs> Shots fired. I don't think they, I don't they, think they 38, responded. 38 followers and like... Yeah. I don't think anybody responded. Dude, or they didn't respond. I mean, are you serious? Like, I, when I saw that, I was like, "Is this is this for real?" Like, yeah, you guys stop trolling. So what's people that like? on Christmas Eve? What, yeah, well, yeah. What's it like being? So I mean, because you guys, I mean, you're really starting at least like in this niche. Mm-hmm. You're you're building a brand for yourselves, and you're mm-hmm. in you're in a spotlight of sorts. Like, I mean, when you when you get something like that, what do you? You're influencers in your space, so like, what do you do? Do you just ignore it? Do you like, because a lot of people, especially in today's day and age, like they will not create content, they will mm-hmm. not post on social media for the fear mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that person has 38 followers, my guy. <laughs> like, um, forget them, but like, uh, but people fear that. Yeah, I think, so we kind of got it in a rush that first year, actually right before we came here, uh, in the fall or the winter of 2014 because we had we went on like Fox and Friends and CNN found us on Twitter randomly like I followed someone on CNN and they found our story and they were like hey we want to do a story I was like okay and then it kind of like when media happens a lot of media will like ducktail and they'll like oh I want to do a story so we did maybe four or five stories within like a week and they got a lot of traffic front page of Yahoo and stuff like that. And then anytime any like media like that happens, people are so binary and like the things they say. And if you ever have like an article go out about you, like you probably should never read the comments, but like it was the first time that ever really happened for us. And so I read a lot of them <laughs> like, oh man, this sucks. And then there was this guy who had traveled to all 50 states before us. He sent us a cease and desist letter that week, he called the CEO <laughs> of Snagajob and said, hey, you need to like cut ties with this guy just because he had done it before and like six years earlier and like we were getting way more traction and maybe messing up his SEO. But it was crazy in the moment. It was just like, it was, and literally he created fake accounts and his family members created fake accounts and trolled us across all platforms. And it was one of those things where it was just like, okay, well, um, I, and I, I went to a, ca- a conference called Catalyst when I was in college, and it was in Georgia. And the speakers, the speaker said something that stuck with me. She was like, "If you're not ready, f- like if you're not ready for it, nothing will kill you faster than a spotlight." And I was like, "Oh, that was actually really good advice because it's like those things can be very hurtful if you're not ready for them." And I, I we, luckily those were like very minuscule compared to like cyberbullying and other types of things that can mm-hmm. happen. But you know, yeah. it, it was the first time we had ever experienced it, so it was like kind of figuring out how to navigate that. And I feel like going through that period of time was helpful now because it you kind of like, you're not completely ever desensitized and I don't wanna say that I am, but you kind of get context to know that like, no, like the more, the louder you are, a lot of times the, the more you'll attract a bigger audience, the greater chances there'll be negative people that come from that. So I think it's just par for the course. I, I don't think it affects me as much now. Not like when my daughter's a little bit bigger and like if she comes in the equation and then some of those things happen, I don't know how I'll act. Right. Yeah, but sure. I think for me personally, like it hasn't been a big deal. But I think that still holds me back from certain things every now and then. Like, so I think it's a constant like barometer of trying to like figure out how to deal with it. But like when that thing came in, I laughed. Like I didn't care. <laughs> like I thought it was funny. Just because like in the big scheme of things, it's like I have a software company. Like I'm I have a conference I'm running. Like I'm doing so much stuff and YouTube is like a fun side hustle when we can get the time to do it. Yeah. And so for me it's like I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't have the full context of totally your yeah. life and yeah. 
Alyssa responded, "So sorry that spending my Christmas or spending Christmas with my family is so irritating to you." And yeah. I thought that was a, a perfect <laughs> to the point clap back uh, and move on. But yeah, but exactly. well on her. But yeah. that, that got a good laugh over the holidays. I saw that and I was like, "Wow, are you really that important?" I don't mean you, but like the person that comments that, like the holidays, you just had to come man. on. Yeah, it's crazy. It is what it is, you know. So, out of all the jobs that you did with Hourly America, mm-hmm. what was your favorite besides this one? The most, like, no, I want to know which was the favorite. <laughs> I want you to say it. <laughs> it's kind of like when people ask his... you, like, what state is the favorite? Like, there's a lot of things I liked about a lot of different places, but I think the craziest, like, kind of coolest experience was probably getting to ride a helicopter up to base camp for Mount Denali. Oh, wow. So, like, we, we were in Alaska for this 50th job, and I posted on Facebook. I was like, hey, I'm procrastinating getting my last job in Alaska. Does any, you know, like, do you have any ideas for things I should do? And somebody commented on there was like, hey, my friend of a friend is the chief of climbing for Denali National Park. Like that's his job title, the chief of climbing. And basically when he heard about it, he was like, Keith has to do his last job here. We have a mission going out tomorrow to base camp to do like a rescue from somebody who has high altitude sickness. So we're gonna put you on the helicopter and fly you and Alyssa up there and you get to stay the night on the on the on at base camp on a glacier with the park rangers and come back the next day, we'll pick you up an airplane and fly you off. And I was like, okay, that sounds amazing. So, uh, <laughs> that was definitely like the most memorable one. And we had never really done tent camping before. I mean, we in an RV, it's not the same as tent camping. And so I didn't realize that people sleep on pads when they are in a tent. And so we actually slept in the tent on, in a sleeping bag that was like rated for cold temp, but we had no pad. So it was literally sleeping on ice. We like woke up wet. We're like, tent camping sucks. Like why would people do this? And then the next morning I like go in the tent while the guy's making coffee. He's like, oh yeah, we had some extra pads over here. You should have grabbed them. <laughs> <laughs> like, thanks, Rage. Yeah. Thanks. So, um, like, appreciate that. Yeah. I got fired from one job. I don't know if I told you that. But I don't think so. Yeah. It what wasn't was the really, job? It was at a cafe in like uh, West yeah. Virginia. But basically, I just, the manager didn't know I was coming in that day, even though I talked with the owners and she was just like not having it. She was just like, you need to go. After like an hour of being there, I was just in the back washing dishes. And so I was like, whatever, this counts. We're gone. So you didn't do another job. (laughs) Nope. Nope. You counted it. You counted it. You were there for an hour. You got fired. I'm out. It was legit. Yeah. That's a job experience, you know? It happens to some people. (laughs) That's great. So out of all this, we gotta wrap up in a minute, but like out of all of this, you know, experience over all of these years and as much as that, like what's the one piece of advice that you would offer to, I'll say new entrepreneurs? Cause you guys, you guys are fresh coming into this. Brand, yeah. Brand new, like creating opportunities. Like what's, what's one piece of advice you would offer our audience? our audience. So as an entrepreneur, like whenever I was in college, I was trying to start a lot of random businesses in industries I knew nothing about. And so I would come up with an idea for like a t-shirt company or something like that. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But I don't actually know much about apparel. I'm not a designer. So it's like, I don't really have a lot to offer there. And so by actually taking a step back and deciding to go travel the country in an RV, I found like, hey, I love living on the road. I like going to national parks and hiking and spending time outside. It's really fun. And so being able to solve pain points in an industry that I really like has allowed me to, you know, try a lot of different things, whether it's like working with Winnebago when they launch a four by four RV and working on a campaign for that or hosting our conference or coming up with a new software solution. It's like, first I found an industry that I really enjoyed and I was like, I could work in this space forever. It's fun. People get to go outside and like have amazing memories. 
versus just arbitrarily trying to come up with business ideas and not having any contacts. Because I feel like it's allowed us to kind of like go through some of those deeper like troughs of sorrow as an entrepreneur. Because, you know, at the worst case scenario, it's like, I'm doing something in a space that I really enjoy versus just trying to say like, there's an opportunity in this space, like let's go solve it. I know some people are just maybe really good entrepreneurs so they can do that. But for us, that's what's been really cool is like finding a area and industry that we really enjoy being in. So if someone's listening to this uh, when it releases and they're like, man, you know, I'm really thinking about now quitting my job (laughs) and driving an RV across the country. What would you tell them uh, to maybe push them over that edge, motivate them to do it? And what's like the biggest tip that you would tell them, this is what you need to know? Oh gosh. I feel like my first couple of years, I would probably would have say like, just go for it. But now it's like, there's maybe it's cause I'm, maybe I have a kid now, I'm like being more conservative and my, my <laughs> rational butt. They'll do that, won't <laughs> it? They'll do that. I, w- I would just say in our situation, the worst case scenario, like a lot of people are, are afraid of like leaving a job, like we really didn't have a hardcore failure, like opportunity because the worst case scenario was we go travel for a year and we're very fortunate enough to have friends and family that like worst, worst case scenario was we run out of money. I spent a couple of months at my parents' house. I could have called Colin for a job. He probably would have hired me. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the, that's, true. that's I mean, like worst case scenario is like we go get a job. Not everyone has that base to fall back on. You know, so like some people, maybe that's really bad advice because you don't have a network of people and we're just fortunate that that was our reality. And so there wasn't a real risk at that point. It was like, we have so much to gain by getting this really cool experience. And now like that's part of our story and it's different. And, uh, and was, were your, sorry, were your parents, family, was everybody like super supportive or that were they like, are you freaking crazy? Yeah. No, you're not doing that. Well, I had like <laughs> my mom's goal, like my parents didn't go to college. So like their whole goal was like get all the kids to college. Mm-hmm. And like I went to college, I got a good job. And so my mom was like stamp success. And, um, and then I called like nine months into my job. I was like, Hey, I'm gonna <laughs> move into an RV and do a road trip and leave this job. And I've left a couple jobs before then. And so she was just like, not super happy. Neither was Alyssa's mom. But then, and our dads were a little bit more okay with it, but also like, hey, how are you gonna fund this thing? How are you gonna do that? So um, I think once we started, like once we found a sponsor, once we started like actually going and doing this thing, and like, there was yeah. also weird validation with like media, when they saw us on like Fox and Friends were like, oh yeah, that's cool. Our <laughs> famous, they did it, it was I'm just so like, proud. Yeah, that was like a weird, <laughs> turning point for those conversations, but um, it was we, we knew they proof. could do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I would say also that year that was really cool is like my mom ended up like going back to school and like getting her degree. And oh, cool. when I talked to her, she was like, yeah, you know, like you're always talking about like, you know, go out and ch-. So I don't know if like our story like actually impacted her to like go be bold and like do something. But you know, if it did, that was cool. So um, yeah. That's right. I need to stop saying so, um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. As a podcast host, like editing my episodes, I realized like if somebody says um or so, or like everyone has the, like their thing that they're bad at, All and right. like some people are incredibly annoying, like ums, and then they draw them into the other thing. But the worst is a combo of like a trio. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> I don't even focus on it, man. I don't either. I he just like, focuses like when, on mine. He slacks me all this like feedback. You're breathing too yeah, heavy. You I, say d- this I, too d- I do do that. Like, I do I that like, to Alyssa when we record. I'm like, quit touching the table. Yeah, quit touching <laughs> This is a professional stop operation. Reading, do you do a lot of editing so in yours? I did the first year and then I haven't since. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're like, yes. it, go wrong. it took me too long. I'm like stopping. I'm on Instagram. I'm like, this is not for me. Yeah, no, so, just, just let it ride. Yeah. We, we left all his heavy breathing in those episodes. 
It's still there. Yeah. Oh, I, I have an editor. I just <laughs> I love you, man. I love this guy. <laughs> I'm like having a bad day at work. A Wednesday morning Slack message. Oh, what's calling? Got to say, hey, I just listened to your podcast and you're breathing too heavy. You might want to shut up. <laughs> yeah. I didn't say it exactly you like You sound like that. an overweight mastiff. <laughs> I, I said, I said <laughs> something along the lines of nobody else is going to tell you and you know I will. So like, here it is. <laughs> But I was like when I had the I'm not perfect by any means. Like I like I've watched I don't watch all the episodes back. Obviously, I'm here. I don't need Mm -hmm. to. But every once in a while, there's there's a couple where I'm like, oh, like, let me let me recheck that one out. Or I didn't. You know, it's 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 interesting because I like to go back and soak in. Mm -hmm. I'm like the topic was super interesting to me or, you know, whatever it was. And I really want to soak it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I noticed those things. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, if, if I were going to like leave all this, get my Winnebago with the desk and start traveling, like he said, right. Mm-hmm. Um, like what's been like the favorite trip? Like where should I absolutely 100% go in my RV? Do not miss it. You'd be a fool to pass it. Like what's that spot? I think the if you're if you're semi adventurous, the Pacific Coast Highway, and you have a smaller RV out in California, is an amazing, amazing road trip that you can do in like a week or two. But if you're really adventurous and you have like a summer, then the Alaskan Highway, even though ours wasn't the ideal thing, like we saw so many bears, so many moose, like that is the epic adventure that you think of, like when you're in an RV. It's not in a parking Walmart parking lot with your whole staff like being cold, <laughs> but it is. Uh, that would be like an epic adventure that I would encourage people to do. Cool. Cool. That's awesome. We'll have to do that one yeah. as a team one day. That'll be. Uh, <laughs> we'll all go up the Alaskan Highway. Maybe we can put Let's that one go. before we go to Italy and get that uh, bottle of wine. <laughs> That'll be one of our celebrations. <laughs> we have this uh, thing we said like when when we've made it. We're not mm-hmm. sure when that is. Yeah. <laughs> but when we know, we feel like okay, we've made it. Mike and I are going back to Italy because we went to Florence a couple years ago. Nice. And it was for a Vespa trip. We got to tour the Vespa factory, which was one of the most incredible things that I've gotten the opportunity to do, especially as somebody who's in this business, to yeah. see like where this, these things are manufactured and actually watch them being made was like one of the coolest things ever. There's oh, a whole yeah. vlog on TV <laughs> if you want to check it out. Um, but when we were there, we went to uh, just a wine place. Right. And like the cellar had all these bottles of wine. I like picked up this bottle and it was $350. And I'm like, I'm gonna come back. I'm not gonna drink this right now. <laughs> Coming gonna, back for it. But I'm gonna come back one day. There you go. And I'm gonna drink this bottle of wine. So I've made it's it. On, it's on the list. I like it. Yeah, probably got another 20 years or so, but yeah, we'll see. You know, hey, 37, 57. That won't be too bad. 57. There you go. So, well, man, thanks for coming on. I'm yeah. sorry that Alyssa couldn't be here. And baby sleeping. Baby yeah. sleeping in the RV. When I left, Alyssa had like a, you know, popped open a bottle of champagne. So she's probably having a good yeah. evening. Nice she's evening. Like, and, yeah. all, all that like quiet time. So, yeah. She's herself. like, yeah, you just go. She's going to enjoy She's it. probably yeah. enjoying some chocolate, some champagne. Good for yeah. her. Yeah. Well, much love to Alyssa and to the baby. Congratulations. Thanks, man. How old's the baby now? Eight months. Eight months, yeah. man. She's sweet. You're coming up on my favorite time though. My favorite, like my favorite age was like, I mean, they're all great, but like that one to one and a half, mm-hmm. it's like they can like communicate with you, mm-hmm. but they can't talk. Yeah. When they, when they talk, it's all over. Can't get, like, <laughs> they're like, no. Yeah, you can't, you can't get them to shut up once they start talking. <laughs> yeah. But like when they can't, they'll hold, you know, they'll, they can walk. 
and they can like they'll hold your finger mm-hmm. with their hand. You know, so the hand's just big enough to hold your finger, and they walk and they can communicate, and you know exactly what it is they want, mm-hmm. but they're not talking. It's like I don't know something about, time. The, about that I'm time. So yeah, it. it's, that's coming up. And, yeah, and when they say don't blink, they mean it. Like yeah. my kids have grown up so quick. So cherish that time, man. And uh, so where can our audience? You know, it's mainly Gainesville based, and it's and it's expanding every day. I love it. <laughs> uh, but where can our audience connect with you? Follow your journey, you know, social media, website. Maybe check out Hourly America. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you want to check out Hourly America, it's on YouTube. But Heath and, Al- <clears throat> Heath and com is like kind of a catch all for everything. So we have all okay. of our stuff on there. And then you can connect from there. Yeah. Man, thanks so much. And if you ever need to get out of the RV, you want to move to Gainesville, Florida, you know, we got Andy Malden. <laughs> Realtor with Watson Realty Corp. He can get you set up. You guys support our sponsors. Thank you so much, Andy. We appreciate you, brother. And dude, this is awesome. This was I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad this worked. I literally when did I? I got a message from you. Was it last week? Yeah, something like that. It's like yeah. it's like. I mean, literally, it was kind of like out of the blue. Hey, man, I'm not gonna be passing through Gainesville. It was like well, seven, like what day? Seven days longer than the first time I reached out. Like I gave you way more heads up than the first time. <laughs> the first time, yeah, seven days compared to one day is great. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and then I was like, you're gonna be on Tuesday night. I'm like, I'm recording a podcast on Tuesday night. I was like, wait, let me. I'll, let me see if I can reschedule this other guest and we'll just do a podcast as a catch up. It'll be great. Yeah, thanks so, for having me. I'm so, sitting there in Boston trying to unplug for a quick weekend away and you know, skimming through the emails, just making sure there's nothing like super important. And I see this one that says, check it out, all caps. And I was like, what? and I saw like Heath and Alyssa podcast and I was like, nah. <laughs> like, okay, I'm actually gonna read this one. So I was, I was super cool. excited to hear it. But, but yeah, thanks for coming on. It's awesome yeah. to catch back up. and uh, Safe travels, man. Keep me posted. Appreciate it. Gainesville World, go check them out. HeathandAlyssa.com. Follow their journey. World, we pre- we appreciate you guys so much. This is the WHOA GNV podcast. The podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> we will see you later. Bye.